I believe that the most realistic thing about being Christian is that we are realistic. By that I mean this, you would think that if you want to attract followers, if Jesus wanted to attract followers, and he did, and we do, that you would put your best foot forward. You would just say, come, follow Jesus, become a Christian and everything will be great. You have the resurrection waiting for you. You have forgiveness for your sins. There won't be any problems. Never will there be any doubts. No one will bother you. Everything will be great. Come. You would think that you'd want to do something like that, right? But we are very, of course, we're very faithful to the gospel and Jesus Christ himself who preached the cross and, and persecution. Again, you'd think Jesus would say, come, follow me and your life will be perfect. Wow, he'd have a lot of people behind him. But instead he said, come, take up your cross and follow me or lay down your life or you are not worthy to follow me. You wouldn't think that would work at all, but it did. People came to him, not in huge numbers at first, but more and more and more people. Jesus preached that. He started with that. If you follow me, there will be persecution. There will be trials. There will be death for some of you. Well, for all of us, but a death by, by persecution. But, but your reward will be great in heaven. And I love that. We continue that, of course, to be faithful to the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's how we preach as well. But I, I imagine, and we have some evidence, that the earliest Christians were a bit embarrassed about the cross and the crucifixion. And maybe when they preached, and maybe it's because they were in a hurry to preach the good news, they kind of glossed over the, the, the death of Jesus, the, the crucifixion. Come, let me tell you about this man. He is God in the flesh. And he came and he, with great signs and wonders, and he did great things, and uh, he died. But he's in heaven, and now, you know, he, he will come again, and, and all of that. And, and so you imagine people, you know, in some of the towns, like, oh, I have a question. You, wh how did he, well, you said he died? Oh, yeah, yeah, anyway, it was... Uh, cross, I think, I don't know. But anyway, he's in heaven. He is risen, you know, and, and there's some evidence that they were doing that. And I can just imagine them. But wait, your God died? Your, he came in the flesh and he died on a cross, shamefully, horrifically? Yeah, 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 yeah. But he rose again, you know. It was St. Paul, though, who not only didn't apologize for the cross, but led with it. And he said, this is a stumbling block. It's an embarrassment for some people. It's a scandal. But nonetheless, this is the way to salvation. It is only through the cross of Jesus Christ that we are saved. Through the cross comes the resurrection. Again, you would think that wouldn't work. People would just not join, but they did. And they get, not only did they join, not only did they become Christians, but they, they witnessed so well that many of them, especially in the early centuries, were captured, were persecuted, were tortured, and many were put to death for the faith. Again, you would think this wouldn't be good for the movement, right? If you know, people are dying for the faith, I'm not signing up for this. But they did in great numbers. Tertullian then famously wrote, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. And so after the martyrs, or during that time, you know, the, the church grew and grew and grew. More people came to, to celebrate the faith, to, to embrace the faith, to follow Jesus. They were inspired by the martyrs. They weren't put off by them or embarrassed by them. They weren't scandalized by the cross. But instead, they knew that that's our salvation. If you want to know what love looks like, look at the cross of Jesus Christ. It is the perfect example and image of love and obedience and humility. Now, that, that's occurred over and over again through the centuries. People have come, people have embraced the faith, people have been baptized and lived in the faith and evangelized. And throughout 
the centuries there have been many persecutions and we read about them with this great awe and wonder. Imagine our brothers and sisters, our ancestors were so convicted that they were willing to die for the faith and they did. And I remember as a young boy just reading these stories, especially of the earliest martyrs, just, just being my heart, it stirred my heart and I thought, wow, I hope I don't die like that. But if it comes to that, I, wow, wouldn't that be amazing to do that? You hear fantastic stories of some of the martyrs, even not taunting, but just kind of just sarcastically shooting back to the executioners, you know, St. Lawrence, turn me over, I'm done on this side, things like that, you know. But we also hear of so many who are evangelizing, who are saying, it's not too late for you. I'm going to heaven with God, but it's not too late for you. Turn your life around, repent of your sin. The Lord Jesus loves you. So it's one thing to honor them and celebrate them through the ages, but today, especially, we honor, if I may be so bold to say, our martyrs. I, I, again, it's bold, I don't mean to say we own them or anything, but I say our because you know, they're not from some far off lands, you know. They are, they're some far off time, centuries, but they're from th this land right here, maybe this land even. We, we're, we're sure that we don't know exactly where, where here, around here, that all of them died, but some certainly crossed this land, literally. And maybe some even spilled their blood here, offered their blood for the Lord here. So they are our martyrs, and we are very proud of that. We're proud that we can lift them up, we can make them known, hopefully, to the whole world. Again, why, why is that important? Why is it important that they, that they be declared blessed and martyrs for the church? Not for us. We know that they're martyrs, but we want the whole world to know them. We want the whole world to be able to be inspired by them and to receive their intercession so that little children halfway around the world, all the way around the world, can read about them and their hearts, like mine, can, can beat with joy and, and desire to follow the Lord when they hear about our martyrs. Now, we know that they died. We know even in many cases where they died, on the date they died, and how they died, thanks to eyewitness accounts and thanks to the great record keeping of the Spaniards. They were so good about that and we're so grateful for that. We have great accounts of that. But that's not enough for them to be declared blessed or saints. What Rome, what Rome wants, and, and, and this makes sense, is proof. Not that they died or when they died or how they died, but proof that they died for hatred of the faith, odium fide. We have to prove that they died out of hatred for the faith. And our tribunal and our research team, our, our historical commission, and, and so many others have done just that. I, we are convinced. Today we are resting our case, basically, and we will sign the documents and send them off to Rome, and they will hopefully, I think, it, who knows how long, but hopefully in, in rapid succession, all right, according to Rome, the way they work, hopefully they <laughs> will agree with us. Hopefully they will agree with us that these clearly are martyrs to be venerated, to be honored, not just by this local community, but by the whole church. And why is it important as well? It's important for us so that you and I can be inspired by them, that you and I can do what they did. That is, even and especially in the face of hardship and persecution and trial, and yes, for some, death for the faith, we can stand strong and give our lives, give over more and more of our will, our heart, our lives for God. This is what the martyrs do for us. Yes, they lived and died centuries ago, but nonetheless, they are very much alive. They're alive in Jesus Christ. They're alive in heaven. They're alive in our hearts as well. 
and our hearts quicken when we think of them, when we pray with them or to them, and we ask for their intercession, their help, their inspiration, so that we too can join them one day in the saints, in the, among the saints in heaven. You should know, you probably know, if you're here, you know something about um, our cause and about our efforts. This is not, we didn't just start this yesterday. This didn't start just even a few years ago, but this, this effort to name them martyrs, to recognize them, goes back centuries. Okay, our martyrs will cover the period from the 16th to the 18th century, but already in 1704, we know that, um, ooh, I wrote this down, who was it? Um, it was, uh, oh, I was gonna do this without citing my notes, but um, please hold. <laughs> nope, I don't have it in my notes. Um, uh, 1704, who was it who recognized them? Um, not King, yeah, King Philip, King Philip V of Spain. Okay, thank you, our tribunal knows this. Um, <laughs> King Philip of Spain basically said, you know, why are these men and women, these children, these martyrs of the new world, why are they not recognized? All the way back in 1704. And it got the attention then of the Pope at the time who also prayed for that and said, these martyrs are an inspiration, not just to the people of the new world, this world, but to all people. So already, way back then, they were, they were contemplating making them uh, officially known as martyrs. And then it started and stopped, and it started again in earnest in the 1930s, I believe. Bishop Gannon really picked up the cause. But, however, in 1941, because of the uh, onset of a horrific Second World War, the cause had to be stopped. And this is the quote I have from Bishop Gannon um, on Christmas, in, in a Christmas card that he sent to people in 1941, talking about this effort. Nevertheless, our labor has not been in vain. A large part of the work has been done, especially the foundation built, and time, I am sure, will bring the glory we seek. If the result doesn't come while we are still on earth, there may be an added joy and interest in watching the mortals work out an answer to the problem from the blissful skies above. Isn't that neat? He's talking about us. Bishop Gannon in 1941, he said, even if we're not there, we'll watch these mortals while they toil and work on the cause. And so that's what we're doing today. And then it was started and stopped. Again, Bishop Grisida started it up again, but but um, it wasn't officially started then, I guess I should say, until um, Bishop Parks and the commission in 2015 then came to this very spot and started officially, opened the cause for the uh, beatification of the martyrs of La Florida. It has started and stopped, but it has always been the desire of Christians of, of the church to recognize these men and women, children and one pre-born baby, unborn baby, that they would be raised to the altars of heaven, that the whole world would know that they gave their lives for the glory of God, for their intercession, for their inspiration, and so that you and I can follow where they went. Maybe not giving our lives as they did, but giving over more and more of our heart, our will, our minds, our desires, indeed our whole lives to the Lord. Holy martyrs, pray for us, be with us, guide us, help us not only to recognize you here on earth, but help us above all to be like you and one day, please God, to be with you and all the saints in the kingdom of heaven.